The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Pop Insider. The Pop Insider has all the latest in news, merch reviews, and other geeky goodness. Whether you're a wizard, a Sith Lord, or a superhero, fuel your fandom at thepopinsider.com. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Produced with podcasting gear from Tasking. Trust your audio to task him. Sound thinking. Of Wookie Radio, it is the Smugglers Three, Ken, Derek, and myself, Mike, and of course, joining us this week from the Pop Insider, it is the Rock, rock Father rock, himself. Rock, rock, rock. So, oh, you, you get the echo now. I do. You got the reverb going on. <laughs> I do have a little echo going. You know, it's a little bit of the arena vibe for the rock thing in an era where we can't go to arenas. So it's all good. If you want a little verb, we can do a little verb, too. All right. <laughs> and and if you want it to sound like that morning traffic helicopter, well, we can do the morning helicopter th- bit as well. Probably don't need that. <laughs> don't need that. Yeah. A little bit of that goes a long ways. So, um... Obviously, when we bring James or someone else from the Pop Insider, the Toy Insider, in the toy book, that means we're going to talk toys and collectibles. And this is when we would have done our Toy Fair recap, but we could still do the Toy of the Year recap and discuss what would have come out at Toy Fair. Plus, I got a few other questions in regards to Star Wars, Mandalorian, and toys as well. I don't know about you and Derek, but Ken and Derek, but why don't we go ahead and start off? What are we looking into for the upcome, uh, upcoming year in Star Wars? So let's start off with something totally fresh and totally unexpected, because as we are recording this episode today or tonight, I have seen something today that is brand new that no one saw coming. And that is that Mattel is getting into Star Wars games. So 
Star Wars games have traditionally been handled by Hasbro. You know, they've done uh, Star Wars Monopoly and Risk and all of these different things over the years. Well, licensing has become a a big deal over the past couple years uh, where there is no master licensee anymore for Star Wars which is what uh, opened things up last year for like Diamond Select to start doing their uh, Star Wars Select figures in the seven inch scale, um, which is a scale that Hasbro had never done. Well, now it's crossing over into games and um, Mattel did a big uh, investor presentation. It was a, it was called their virtual analysts event. And that was to take place uh, or take the place of an in-person event that they usually hold in their showroom at the Javits Center during New York Toy Fair, where they basically meet with all the analysts that uh, deal with all the investors and stuff because um, they're a publicly traded company and they, they do a whole big hoopla every year and they show them some new stuff. So today it was revealed that they're going to start applying the Star Wars brand to games that have never had it before and products that have never had it before. So there's going to be Star Wars Scrabble and Star Wars Uno and Star Wars Magic 8-Ball. And uh, I'd have to go back and check my notes. There might have been a Star Wars Kerplunk on that sheet. Oh, wow. Um, But the – it's happening. And on that same note, so so no one saw that coming. Um, but one big change that we saw at uh, the end of 2019 slash beginning of 2020, you know, a big surprise was that Mattel got into Star Wars plush and they were first out of the gate with their 11 inch vinyl roto head version of the child. And they were one of the first in December of 2019 to reveal a digital red and they were one of the first to market with that last spring. And, of course, you mentioned the Toy of the Year Awards. That won a Toy of the Year Award uh, in the plush category. Um, The toadies are handed out every year by the Toy Association. And it was also the number one selling plush in the United States last year per the NPD group that tracks all of the retail sales. So first year, Mattel had a really great start by getting out out of the gate first with their version of the child. So now what do we have for 2021? Well, more plush. They're going to be uh, doing more plush for Star Wars, but not just Star Wars. They're they're actually, you know, it's a little bit of a sidetrack, but it's an important part of the story because it goes with the licensing. They're going to be doing some Marvel. They're going to be doing uh, Amazing Spider-Man. Now, I, I see there, Ken, you've got the Costco version yes. of Grogu, the child. That is the 11-inch vinyl head plush that they repackaged in a window box for Costco, put accessories with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a I was amazed toy. when Mattel... When Mattel first announced they were doing Star Wars toys. I was floored. It's like, wait a minute. Because <laughs> Hasbro, growing up in the 80s, Hasbro and Mattel were like giants fighting the whole time with Kenner. The three of them were like knockdown, drag out fighting. And now yes, it's like, wait yes. a minute. Hasbro and Mattel are both working Star Wars. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah, a it's very, a very convoluted, convoluted type of situation, situation where, of course, where Kenner course became Kenner. part of Hasbro. Yeah. And uh, so, so that lineage has continued. But the fact that it is Lucasfilm ultimately that controls it under Disney. So since there is no master licensee anymore, they can open that up to all kinds of competitors working sometimes in the same aisle because – you're still going to have Star Wars Monopoly, but now you're going to have Star Wars Scrabble and Star Wars Uno. But then Hasbro's going to be back on the other side, and they probably still have Star Wars Bop It or whatever, you know. Um, and everything else. Yes, 
it goes on and on and on. Um, so it's interesting because those two companies, Hasbro and Mattel, really combined, they own probably 80% of like the really iconic toy and game brands mm-hmm. at this point. So by letting them cross over a little bit, and what I was going to say too about that split, when, when Star Wars split off with the master licensing, um, Disney also did Marvel. So uh, Mattel's going to do the more Star Wars plush. They're going to do Amazing Spider-Man, and they're going to do um, that uh, Shang-Chi, the Legend of the Ten Rings. Yep. Oh, yes. Um, um, so they've got stuff coming out. But all of that was revealed today, uh, just hours ago, as we're recording here. Yeah, that's, like I said, growing up, it's like the only thing that um, those two companies seems like they don't have when it comes to legendary licenses would be like Ninja Turtles. <laughs> Unless one of them has that now, too. <laughs> Because I know Playmates had it originally. They still do. Well, you want to go down the rumor mill with turtles right now on, no. on the uh, on the <laughs> radio? Because you might be on to something here. That seems like the only one that's out there that one of them doesn't have. So turtles is a very interesting thing that you've stumbled upon here. Because, uh, yes, it's been Playmates for over 30 years. And if you notice, too, like we're just talking about the the licensing and uh, it's that slicensing thing where they're slicing and dicing that license. Um, Turtles were always 5.5 inch figures, which were like like the He-Man figures, you know, Mm -hmm. Masters of the Universe. It was that chunky 5.5. Well, think about the last two, three years, what you got going on with Ninja Turtles. Super 7 is doing 3.75 inch um, uh, reaction figures. And then they're also doing seven inch ultimates teenage mutant ninja turtles and then you got NECA that's doing their ninja turtles in multiple scales well sort of interesting sidebar here about a year and a half ago there was that animated movie that crossed over batman with ninja turtles yes so at the time it was uh dc collectibles or dc direct whatever name they were using at the time um was allowed to do batman and ninja turtle figures that they sold as a GameStop exclusive. Well, now there's a more recent crossover that is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Power Rangers. So who owns Power Rangers? Hasbro. Hasbro. And again, as we happen to be taping this show, who has a big Toy Fair replacement uh, presentation tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time with their investors? Hasbro. Hasbro. So there are rumors circulating that we're going to see Power Rangers and Ninja Turtles coming out from Hasbro. But that is completely, as we record this, it is a unconfirmed rumor. It might still be an unconfirmed rumor by the time this episode airs, or it could be uh, hot news that everybody's jumping on. <laughs> well, it's when you're talking about how they're slicing the license up and you get all these different people putting out Star Wars, I, I didn't even make the connection, but um, that made it almost obvious what um, Lucasfilm Games did a month or two months ago when they made the announcement that everybody's going to be making games for Star Wars. It's like, wait a minute, Disney's just done exactly the same thing they did with their toys. They opened it up and said, okay, if you can make it and make it better than the next guy, go for it. Yeah, it is. uh, And and really, it can go either way. It can be really good for the consumers and the fans, or it can be really bad because there is that there's that element of choice where you're giving different folks, you know, different strokes for different folks, because, you know, maybe you collect this or collect that or you like this. There are some gaming people that really love EA and then there's other ones that hate EA and then they announced that Star Wars Hunters game that's coming out from Zynga and Zynga has been known for mobile gaming so some people were totally into it some people weren't um in the toy aisle 
it gets confusing, uh, partic- particularly with parents more so than hardcore collectors. Because if you're a collector, you know what you want. You're going to go get it. If it's mom and dad buying the toy and you're in the action aisle and you see uh, Star Wars Mission Fleet, which is like two and a half inches. And then you see Vintage Collection, which is 375. And then you see Black Series at six. And then you see the 12 inch. And maybe your kid's just getting into Star Wars. That can be a little confusing. Yep. Well, what's the chances, though, that having them open up the toys so many people can do it, it actually lights a fire under Hasbro to actually start helping with their distribution so that people can actually get what they wanted from Hasbro? Because at this point, if people don't get what they want from Hasbro, they have other options now. You could do an entire show just about the distribution <laughs> because it is way more complicated than anyone realizes. And the the core of that whole debate hasbro is not out to stiff anybody they want everybody to buy their product they want you to be able to get their product Mm -hmm. they sell more product than anyone will ever know because they don't put an exact number on it but we're talking you know pallets and pallets and containers and containers of this stuff out there what happens with it once it crosses out of their hands and into the retailer that is an entirely different situation um and that's where a lot of the problem comes in because like if you look at how um we use walmart as an example and i think we've we've discussed on some of these shows before like some of the bot situations but people go on there and it's like one minute it's in stock Uh, five minutes later it's not in stock hmm. then all of a sudden you get a in stock alert 10 minutes later that it's there again um, because they're playing with it internally and that ain't Hasbro that is that is purely the retailer and that's why a lot of people now have turned to like Entertainment Earth or Big Bad Toy Store because they know that they can just order a case of the figures and they might wait a little bit longer. They might pay a buck higher a unit, but they're going to get them um, and they're not going to have to dink around with paying extra shipping or worrying about them getting damaged, which is a whole thing, too. I've, I've seen yeah. some of the stuff coming out. You guys have probably seen it with like Amazon shipping like a, a oh. bubble, a bubble mailer with a, you know, with a vintage collection in it and it gets mangled. Um, well, I, I I've seen that's how. That's why I don't do I don't do mail order collectibles usually. <laughs> like uh, if, if it's something if it's something I intend on collecting for any particular you know actual collectible reason, if I'm just gonna get something just to have it and play with it and whatever, then I don't mind. But see, I was I was you wanting to know what's gonna happen. I was wanting to get that four Lom Zuckus 40th anniversary set because I've got the 30th anniversary set that was the Star Wars Celebration exclusive from Celebration 5. And this was basically a Black Series version of that set. But I started seeing how they were being shipped and how people were receiving them with crushed boxes because the box was inside of a, they just placed it inside of a box with no bubble, no air bladders, no nothing. And the crushes are, or the the boxes are crushed. See, that is one of the, the mentality differences between between a mass retailer like an Amazon, Target, Walmart versus a specialty retailer like an Entertainment Earth because you have someone catering to collectors that's trying to ship it out um, with some care and very well packed to the larger retailers. And they actually they have they have a little bit of a an internal conflict because the buyers 
they know the buyers get this because most of those buyers are just like us. They're into this stuff. They probably collect it themselves to an extent so they understand. But then when it gets down to the logistics of moving it, it is product. It is a commodity. Your six inch black series figure is no different than the bottle of shampoo there. You know, it's and and Amazon is very automated in how they do stuff. And I don't, I don't know if you guys have ever seen their distribution centers, but like they don't necessarily even have like all of their Star Wars stuff is not going to be stocked in like one area of their warehouse. Right. They actually it's all computerized where they know what's in each slot but you might have this figure over here and then 500 yards away is another figure because it's just filling the slot it is a product um and that's where they need to figure that out but it's um it's a lot easier for us to sit here and and complain about it than it is for them to actually fix the logistics of it but it's like they're aware but it's like two warring factions in each big behemoth of a company yeah well speaking of stuff that was announced today how about hasbro with um the the bad batch and black series first order stormtrooper helmet announcements from today so those are pretty sweet we're gonna see more bad batch stuff coming out um hasbro is well hasbro's been kind of interesting because they've done press previews all month um they've done virtual uh zoom presentations most of their product is under embargo as of right now so it can't be discussed um but as they do and they will probably you know similar to what mattel just did they will show stuff during their investor day that has not been revealed because they basically save some juice to put on a show for the for the stockholders, you know. Um, so expect to see more Star Wars stuff announced after tonight's conversation. But um, Bad Batch, you know, that show is going to come out on, on May 4th. It's traditionally yep. a great day to be a Star Wars fan. Um, the show itself looks great. Um, I think the uh, the figures themselves one of the first things when anybody even saw the Bad Batch on screen, the first thing people that like collectibles thought is, well, I gotta, I gotta own those guys. Um, literally, like first thing, and that was that was kind of before that even aired when they had like the Lost episodes where they were showing like the animatics at Comic Con a couple of years ago. Yeah, it just looked like a cool group that you had to own. Um, so even if you're not particularly into the animation and there are a lot of Star Wars fans that are not, they weren't, that weren't into the Clone Wars and stuff. They're, they're still going to dig the figures and the figures too, going back to, uh, we were talking about Ninja Turtles. That whole crew has a very Ninja Turtles esque vibe to them. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, I think part of the appeal. Yeah. We saw a team vibes out of it. Yeah. Very much the Star Wars A team. And that one cat that looks like Rambo. Yeah. They cannot deny Hunter. that. Yeah. Um, and as far as the helmet goes, um, the helmets are great. Um, they just keep growing that. that that's one of those uh, categories of collectibles that I think runs into a space issue for a lot of people. Um, where are they going mm. to keep said helmet upon helmet? But those are great. I'm actually personally looking forward to like the Darksaber and stuff that's coming out. The the Black yeah. Series one. Yeah. Um, I, have, I have the toy. I have like the $30 toy. 
Um, the expensive one um, looks pretty sharp. I've seen the toy in the out in the wild, which I was surprised. But <laughs> I I was gonna say I know of one um, company that's similar to like Ultra Sabers. They're called mm-hmm. uh, Rebel Sabers. They have a dark saber that they've made that looks superb. Interesting. It looks absolutely I superb. Have, I have I have mine right here. Um, <laughs> and for being a $30 toy, it's pretty good. I mean, it's motion, you know, motion responsive. And it's got the, the light hits like the Black Series one does. But it's a toy, so hmm. kids can beat this up a bit. So I was kind of impressed at how they did this. Yeah, I think that was the one saber when it was introduced. It's like, how is that going to be done as a practical toy? And it, it took a while mm-hmm. to get there, but it's it's there. Yeah. And then I'm I'm curious to see the the black series when it comes out as well. Um, so go ahead. I was going to say uh, on the uh, Mattel note too. You know, they just came out with another wave of uh, Mandalorian. Hot Wheels character cars that uh, just started rolling out. They've had a little bit of an issue with the the character cars. There's a lot of inventory at certain places like, uh, you know, the inventory turn. It's it's a very regional thing. Certain areas, uh, there's a ton of people collecting character cars. Some places there aren't. So they, there might be older stock here and there, but they're making their way through. And they've got uh, they've got the child. We've got Cara Dune. They've got Mando. I think they've actually got two versions of Mando now. And then the other one that's pretty recent that's part of their Starships line is they've got the child in the pram, which um, is really, really tiny. If you've seen their Starships line, you can imagine. Um, And then the other thing that I think is particularly cool um, is outside of all the Star Wars Hot Wheels and stuff that they've done in the main line. That's the one dollar normal Hot Wheels cars. There's a land speeder right now. So um, hard to come by, but they actually um, put that into the main line Hot Wheels on the blue card. Like, uh, you know, kids have been buying since 1968. Right. Speak. I love collecting the Star Wars Hot Wheels ships. Yeah. I I have some of the uh, Star Wars character cars, but I've also got a couple from the um, when Disney did the Disney Racers. Yeah. The theme park cars. Yeah. I've got from that one. I've got the. the R2, I've got the AT-AT. I don't remember if my Vader is the Hot Wheels or if it's the Disney Racer, but they looked almost identical at the time. Yeah, they were really similar in concept. And I think one of the one of the funniest exchanges I ever saw online regarding those was um, both lines did an Ahsoka car. And I think the if, if I remember this correctly, the Ahsoka in the Disney Racers came out long before Hot Wheels got to it. Yes. And there was a there was a die cast group where people were debating the cars and someone was complaining about the Disney Racers one and was like, oh, you know, whoever designed this should be fired. This is an ugly car, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you flip you flip over the package. It says car designed by Dave Filoni. Yeah. And there's a, there's a <laughs> sketch of the car <laughs> with his signature under it. So it's mm-hmm. like, OK, so the creator of the character and the show it comes from. Yeah. Uh, I, note. I just put in the chat uh, from Rebel Sabers They're They're calling it the Dark Legend Saber, but it's their Black Saber. Or their dark God, yeah. Yes, that is in that gray gray area of collectibles. The unlicensed lightsaber. Yeah, this this one looks good. 
I, I'm highly impressed with it, with, with what they've done with it. No, back on that helmet note for a second. Do you think that you think that the the Black Series first order helmet is like five years late? Yeah, I think that one's. I would not be surprised if that one's being marketed uh, or coming out to be pushed at the parks at Galaxy's Edge. Mm. Yeah. And will be found at the First Order Depot. Or it could also be, um, I don't know how much they work directly with Disney on when they release certain items, but could it be also Disney um, telling them, go ahead and put this out and test the waters to see if people are still interested in that era of collectible? Because right yeah. now, the, the perception in general is that the sequel era of Star Wars is very, very not happy with anybody. But may, it may be at this point, we're a couple of years out of it. People may be coming back saying, hey, this is actually still Star Wars. <laughs> It could be them testing the waters to see. I think, it, de- I think so- it depends on the era. I mean, my kids love that era. Yeah. Um, my well, daughter. My daughter it, does as well. I've heard it said that every era, every version of Star Wars was someone's first Star Wars. Yep. Yeah. There were there were whole people that whole generations uh, or a whole generation of kids that were introduced to Star Wars through the droids and Ewoks cartoons and the Ewok movies. Yeah. That was their Star well, Wars. <laughs> just like just like I did with the prequels, I try to find the good part. That I like because, you know, even though, yeah, no, (laughs) even though there's a lot about the prequel, a lot that I don't like, there's also a lot that I do like. So, you know, and it's completely okay to like all of them. I mean, I like all of them. I I like that. I like all of the movies for different reasons. I like some more than others. I like some right. less than others, but I actually I yeah. like all of them. I'll sit down and watch the the sequel trilogy or go back to the old school ones, whatever. Right. Um, Star Wars. Yep. I, I the only mm-hmm. the only my biggest critique about any of them is that visually I think the um, the prequel trilogy, particularly Phantom Menace, just like aged weird. Where just you know that digital effects just like looks like a painting now or something. At the, yeah, at, the, yeah. at the time, right? At the time, I was right there. Like the, there was one digital screen in the Chicago market, and that was like you had to make the special trip out there to see it. And oh, look at this—we've never seen a digital movie like this before. Mm. It was awesome. Now you're watching on oh. TV or Disney Plus, and it's like, mm. yeah, get this. It, you guys will that- love this one. I just. I just today uh, put out an episode of my New England Society of Geeks podcast. Um, I did an episode of the Falcons Lounge where we talk about Star Wars. And I had my friend Leon, who's younger than than all of us, and he has never the original on the original um, movies. He's only ever seen the special editions. Wow. So we had an interesting conversation about that, like talking about the change, like we were talking to him about the job of the hut scene, which he had no idea was, first of all, not in the original. And second of all, he had no idea that was actually a human at one point. Yeah. Well, when- it, 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 funny to him, the way um, Han looks when he kind of steps over Jabba and kind of bl- jumps around to get there. <laughs> I don't even think of that. I talked to him about that. I, I told him that one point he walks behind the guy and that's why he goes over Jabba's tail. He never even put it together. He had no clue. Wow. That's one thing yeah. I'm surprised. Even if you look at the newest digital cut that's on Disney Plus, they've never smoothed that out. No. 
It's yeah, still the funny, first huh? that was put out in uh, what ninety seven. Mm. Yeah, I think that that would not take a, a modern um, digital artist much to actually fix. Now, when you I, would think when I showed the movies to my daughter before she experienced a Star Wars movie in the theater, of course that was Force Awakens. I showed her the original, well, what was available as original uncut on DVD as from that two pack when it was. You got the special edition version, and then you got, as the bonus disc, was the uncut. Yeah, the Laserdisc versions. Yeah. So she right. she was access to it. I do. So I had her watch. You did not have access to it. I had her watch those first. Now, anytime she's seen it since, it's been the special editions. Um, but but has, does she ever comment on that? Like how different it is? Yeah. Yeah. She, she she's one. She prefers like the Battle of Yavin. She prefers the original mm. where it was the small ragtag fleet. She goes, it makes more sense when it when it looked like it was impossible for them to beat the Death Star. Whereas with the special editions, of course, with that fleet, they could they could beat the Death Star. OK, I see where you're coming from. And that's the problem I had with the, with that scene in special edition is, of course, yeah, with a fleet just, that big, you can I feel differently. But, well, no, because you still got to go for the small exhaust port. Right. But it, you got to think, even the fleet they show you on screen, imagine how many TIE fighters are actually in the Death Star. That's still a mm. ragtag fleet, even though it looks like there's so many ships. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then all, all the all the guns on the Death Star and everything. But it just seems like, okay, for that base, there's a lot more ships there them space around that base or in that base. And that didn't make sense. To See, me. I kind of like that, that they added the ships. That's one of the few things that didn't bother me about some of the changes. But that, I mean, that was just a new hope. I mean, some of the other changes, I mean, I was glad to see the job, the job of scene, but I almost wish they left it with the original human and re- and just renamed him. Yeah, and, and, some other character. And it had that, you know, Jabba's looking for you. Right. And, and have Harrison re-record some of the lines. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been so much easier. Mm-hmm. Jib of the butt. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, what what else are we expecting in the Star Wars realm of toys and collectibles? Stuff later this year. Um, obviously, the past couple of weeks and, you know, we've seen some of these like fan first Fridays and things coming up. I think we might even have one this week. Um, I think so. There, there is um, no shortage of Black Series and Vintage coming out. Um, a lot of the premium stuff is starting to roll out again. You know, the hot toys and all of that sideshow type action. Um, <clears throat> particularly once we get over the hump with this, this Hasbro investor event, um, we will maybe see a little bit more of what's coming out towards the fall. But right now, highly embargoed or not yet shown to anybody um, stuff that's going to be tied in with the Bad Batch with the Boba Fetch series coming out. Um, I'm going to guess with Andor. Yes. And then, of course, they're they're prepping that stuff as well. Um, And then on on the flip side, beyond toys, you're going to have a whole bunch of tie ins from Disney consumer products that's going to go out through Shop Disney and Disney Store and everything. So. Um, they're putting it together again, but if you sort of look what they did last year, we had Mando Mondays and right. then this year, um, they flipped it over. They're doing a year long, um, Marvel Monday thing right now. The must right. have Marvel mm. merch. Um, 
So look for that to end and sort of flip back to Star Wars again, because when we go live action, you're not going to see a lot of live action content until the end of this year again, when uh, Book of Boba Fett comes out. And then timeline wise, probably next April or so for Mando season three. Um, So theoretically, it should all run sort of back to back. Um, Bad Batch first. Do that back and forth with um, Marvel, because that's when you see it's like we got. Yes. Division now it's going almost leading almost directly into um Falcon Winter Soldier. Falcon finishes is when Bad Batch is gonna start up. Right route that it'll be about that time. There'll probably be a couple weeks in between, and then right into Loki after that. Yep. Mm. Yeah, there it's gonna be a, a steady a steady diet. They've sort of brought back the um you know, the appointment TV as they call it. Because yeah. they're they're not doing yeah. the, the binge deal. Yeah. Yeah. Which we that's, discussed that's here. I think good that's good too because because of all the people that keep saying, Oh, oh now that Mando's done, I don't need Disney Plus anymore or whatever. You know, it's like or people complaining, how come they don't have more stuff out? Well, here well, you go. There's like, always you know, stuff. Well, like I keep saying, when you release yeah. the week, the show rents a whole lot more space in your brain because you have a week to talk about what's coming up, what just happened. Uh, my mind was blown mm-hmm. on this. What can we see coming up? Instead of just sitting down and watching the next one. Yeah. Right. You have to think about it and create headcanon and then see whether or not you're right or not. And right. you get water cooler moments and things like that, which at this point is not water, it's Zoom call moments yep. <laughs> with your friends. Right, yeah. And you're binging a show. If you like, like the boys on Amazon. That's that was hot for about three weeks, <laughs> and then it goes yeah, away for yeah, it. yeah, yeah. But with yeah. season two, they made it appointment. They mm-hmm. they gave it that appointment attitude. Yeah, and then some people complained about it. Of course, well, people tried to claim that binging was the norm, but it was really the experiment. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that's that. Right. That's the reality of it. Um, it's just gone back to what it was. I mean, just like yeah. my wife and I talk about this all the time. All of these competing streamers. At some point, it's going to implode. It's all going to contract again because as these things, I mean, we just saw it with that stupid Quibi thing a year or so ago, which is now for free on Roku that they spent billions of dollars on content. There's only so many things that you can nickel and dime people to death for $5, $10, $15 a month before now we're paying more than we were paying for cable before. And most people are just still paying for cable anyway. Um, imploded yep yeah roku bought it (laughs) they bought the content yep they Mm -hmm. didn't buy the the channel but they bought the content what i see happening is because cable is still trying to figure out how to deal with streaming cable's going to start doing exactly what they did with broadcast except doing it online they'll start Mm. but they'll they'll work deals with these content providers and and bundle hulu netflix and amazon together in one package you know what i'm saying so that you get they're they're already doing it you only have to have one login and everything's on it they're doing it to an extent already. Yeah, I mean, cool. Disney Plus bundles itself with Hulu and mm-hmm. ESPN yeah. because they own that. Uh, NBC Universal slash Comcast, you know, they're gigantic thing. With, you know, they've got Peacock, Peacock now. Yep. Yeah, yep. now with Peacock has just picked up all of the WWE Network content. So yeah. WWE Network to drop and it's all going to be there. Well, CBS, yeah. CBS is switching have, over to I Paramount. Have, uh, yep. Yeah, I have HBO Max for free because I get HBO through Comcast. So they had a deal so that they made a deal, Comcast, Comcast and HBO, so we can get HBO free, HBO Max for free because yeah. we already pay for HBO. Well, and then uh, oh, what was the other one? Uh, look at Discovery Plus. 
Now, there was Discovery, you know, a lot of the Discovery yeah. Channel shows, but I know for a fact, History Channel is not part of the Discovery family, but th- that's in there. Uh, and, and believe it or not, History Channel is owned by, is partially owned by Disney. Yeah, and Disney had a piece of Discovery for a while. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's interesting to see how it's working out. Now we, we Sony's talk- the only doesn't have their own platform yet. That's the one that I think. It, no, they do. I, and, Sony they has, do. Sony has cracked. Uh, yeah, but that's yep. not. That's a totally that's different. That's not really. Yeah. No, I'm. Th- I've always that's looked at the same. If Netflix really wants to stay totally 100 percent viable, they need to start um, talking to Sony. If they could get Sony exclusive to Netflix for all of the Sony um, and all of the TriStar, <laughs> all of the Columbia stuff, exclusive to Netflix. Then that's yeah. the last studio that's basically out there that doesn't have something specific exclusive. Yeah, that's an interesting idea. Everybody else has idea. either their own platform or they're part of one of the giant conglomerates. Hmm. Now, do you guys think that, that maybe in the in the case of Wandavision, maybe that could have benefited from coming out all at once? Because of the way people were not like getting into it in the beginning or not understanding it. They, they weren't getting into it because they're impatient. Mm-hmm. So that's completely exactly. on them. Right. It's completely on them. Um, if it is, if you can't, uh, you know, deal with a half hour of television and <laughs> and wait a week. You know, that's that really shows you where the mentality is. It's ridiculous. It is. Um, yeah. As people right now, the. Uh, uh, but yeah, binging that would have would not have been good because look, you guys just mentioned the, the conversation around it. Look at Twitter every Friday now; it's a global yeah. conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have to stay away from Twitter and Facebook until midday oh, yeah. when I get a chance until to watch one division. Yeah. Yeah, and sometimes I have to be careful when we record on Fridays. Yeah. Yeah, but it's the people that um, I had that actually show up on like, my Facebook feed actually are pretty good about spoiler stuff. They, they, they give it at least a day. <laughs> yeah, but some of the some of the articles and stuff that I see pop up on my Facebook, I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. People jump on it right away. And see, they'll just me, ruin it with the headline, you know? Yeah. Mine is worse than with the wrestling feeds. <laughs> Because I don't get to watch my shows the day of. I usually watch it day after. And at that point, mm. everybody's already figured out what's going on and talking about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now, we've talked toys. What about, um, like, the non-toy collectibles, like shirts or backpacks or stuff like that? Right. You'll see um, assortments. There hasn't been a ton released, but you're going to see, like, you know, the usual suspects, like, um, we've got another Funko virtual con coming up and some lounge fly product that will likely be revealed. Um, if not in this spring edition, they're going to keep doing that. Um, we still have a, uh, a big question mark looming in the middle of the year that usually has a lot of these lifestyle products. And that's San Diego. Um, San Diego is still, hey, is there a comic con? Is it comic con at home again? Nobody knows. Um, so a lot of those things that we usually see tied into that, like, uh, you know, we've seen the arcade machines and the pinball machines and the, the geeky tiki's and all of that stuff. Um, even I think it was the last time I was there, they were debuting the lawn furniture that was out for a little bit with Star yeah. Wars. Um, <laughs> the, uh, you know, when is some of that stuff going to debut? Uh, I'm not sure. And then we just had um, an article up on the Pop Insider that Madeline wrote. There was a new batch of of Star Wars um, uh, artwork from Society6 that was just released here um, on uh, February 22nd. Um, These are are like 
um, sort of traditional art pieces, you know, in a way that you don't um, necessarily think of Star Wars. So stormtroopers and colorful fields of flowers and things, um, you know, quirky little oddities that um, wouldn't be out of place in Grandma's kitchen. I, I guess would be a way to to put it. Um, and they've got some traditional older. Star Wars mixed with Mandalorian and Child and stuff. So there's a little bit of something for everybody. Um, so those are new. Um, those are all from uh, independent artists. So, um, you know, I want to I want to say that, like it's almost got like the uh, like the handcrafted like Etsy vibe, but they're yeah. officially licensed. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm looking at the picture that's up there now. Now, some of these actually remind me of you remember the um, Star Wars um, Hawaiian T-shirt or Hawaiian shirts that if you look really close, you can see it with Star Wars, but other than that, it just looks like a general Hawaiian shirt. That yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Where it's yep. an everyday Star Wars that real fans are going to notice and say, oh, that's really cool. Other people are just, oh, that's just art. <laughs> yeah. And then there's um, Diamond Select just uh, unveiled a bunch of product the other night. Talk about slicensing. Again, back on that. They've got uh, Diamond Select is doing Power Rangers and G.I. Joe statues now. Um, but Diamond Select has General Giant, so they've been doing the busts and stuff for years they've got a a new assortment there's a new vader bust that uh is pretty sharp that's coming out um there was uh toink Uh, are you guys familiar with that company yeah i'm familiar with toink um yeah they're an illinois based uh they're they're not far from me chicago suburbs um collectibles outlet uh they've got a new line of star wars mugs and stuff giftware that just hit for spring so it's coming out but it it feels a little bit quieter than usual on the lifestyle front for Star Wars, okay. at least for right now. And I I really think it's just because that that sort of like spin-off consumer product side of things tends to go hand in hand with some of the live events that we're missing. Now, what about stuff like um, they're they're a what well, we've partnered with them in the past, uh, Bio World or uh, Heroes and Villains? BioWorld, I have not seen anything new from lately. Um, Heroes and Villains just rolled out a new collection fairly recently. Mm-hmm. Um, a bunch of brand new Mandalorian stuff just came out. Yes. Yep. Um, because and, and keep in mind, we're coming off of we're still only like six, eight weeks out from when that Mando Mondays thing ended. There was a lot of Star Wars product released over that nine weeks at the end of last year. Um, so it might be that we're just kind of naturally in the lull of the cycle right now until Star Wars Day kicks up. So as we head towards May, we're going to start seeing more announcements. And of course, we just saw part of that now with the Bad Batch. Um, But I'm kind of expecting to start seeing a little bit more stuff tied to the High Republic. But at the same time, I don't I don't necessarily see the fan excitement around that that yeah, I think they're I, hoping for. I, I haven't seen a lot of fan excitement over the High Republic. I know me personally, I'm excited. I'm listening to uh, Into the Dark right now and I'm loving it. Yeah. And I and I love the... Uh, I haven't even started any of it yet. I'm halfway through that one. Um, and from there, I'm going back to Into the Light, um, listening to that one, the Charles Soule one. Uh, but I've been reading the comic as well. And I absolutely love everything going on. Uh, and would love to see figures based around these, whether it's the three and three quarter or or black series. Um, I'm sold on 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 that. I'm just like I've been sold on the the Galaxy's Edge stuff, but it's um, 
I, I wanted to touch real quick. You said uh, somebody was putting out Cara Dune merch, but we know Hasbro is coming out and they're canceling anything that is based with Cara Dune on it at this point in time. What are you guys seeing uh, as backlash with the whole Gina Carano being let go with Cara Dune? I think most people just honestly don't care. Um, you know, there was a couple of days of uh, whatever, either way. Um, grand scheme of things, people forget and move on from any controversy very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> as time goes on, it becomes less and less relevant. Um, what I what I was talking about when I mentioned Cara Dune was the, um, the Hot Wheels character car. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> that has nothing to do with her as an actress, and it doesn't have any um, likeness there at all. Um, same thing too with the Kenner style, um, retro figures that are supposed to come out this summer. Um, as far as I can tell, that is still on, but those figures don't have any kind of likeness because they're, they're sculpted. So the character is there. There's all of that. Um, because no one has admitted this, like I actually personally reached out to Hasbro for comment and we work with Hasbro all the time and I just didn't get a response. So I, I mean, it just wasn't, you know, it wasn't even like it's a, you know, no comment. They just didn't respond to the email. Mm. Um, and if you look at most of the publications that have covered this story, um, it's, well, you know, didn't respond to repeated requests for comment, whatever. Um, if you look at the whole thing, it, it, it's still huge news right now. But what seems really odd to me is no one at Lucasfilm or Disney has confirmed this at all, that even that she's been let go. She's, they, there was, she's no, confirmed. That's not, that's, no, she's that's confirmed it. Okay. Yeah, and, and Lucasfilm it's confirmed like, it. Lucasfilm yeah. did yeah. confirm it. Um, they put out yeah, a statement that just said she's not, she's not employed here anymore and yeah, there that are was no plans. Right. Yeah, that, so that was like, a Lucasfilm confirmation. Okay, that's it, because I, I thought there was like what, um, Deadline's the only person that actually had that originally, and well, it was Deadline and um, IO nine were saying that they were being told, but at the time, you know, we, you know, when when we were breaking the story as we were recording two weeks ago. Yeah, you know, we were still going on that approach. It's a spokesman saying it's hearsay. Nothing official has come out. But since then, Lucasfilm did come out and say, yeah, she's no longer employed with us. Okay. Uh, um, and then and she I, came and, out and said, yeah, I'm no longer with them. And hey, check out my new check out the movie I just signed a deal with. Yeah. So the interesting thing here that no one seems to be discussing, and maybe we'll be the first one, Stephen, bring it up because I haven't seen this anywhere. It is very possible that those products being canceled are not being dictated by Disney and Lucasfilm. It may be because of her. If they canceled her contract and she oh, had likeness yeah. rights as part of it, oh. she could actually she could actually be forcing um, the removal of products with her likeness. Mm. Um, obviously, we don't know that. how we don't know how they've structured their agreements. And uh, traditionally, the Star Wars realm has had different agreements with different talent. But if you look at it, what were the first two things to allegedly get canceled? The two items that have photo real face sculpts. 
It's the two three point seven five vintage collection and the Black Series six inch. Yeah, those have the photo reel stuff. Um, there were some other other like higher end statues that I believe are still available. Um, and I I would say too if the product was already produced and in the pipeline, there isn't much you can do about that. Um, some of her other stuff um, had already sold through its first batches, so they were looking at a reorder on some of that that Hasbro product but i think that that's an interesting part of the story is she may have actually played that card and go well if you're pulling me out you know of the show here i'm pulling the merchandise the likeness right from you so and we may never know we may never know the answer because obviously there's going to be bad blood from all parties for a long time to come right do you think do you think it could be um, maybe even not a, a decision anyone made, but just something in the contract that if something like this happens, it automatically it automatically cancels the rights to any of our figures. Could have. I mean, there, there's unlimited ways they could structure an agreement. But right, yeah, yeah, that could that could entirely be tied to it. Like if you're fired with with cause, um, who knows? Um, right. Because we also we don't know what was in their agreements in in terms of what you can and cannot do on social. Um, And this goes beyond actors and talent, but um, a lot of people with their jobs have different things in there about what you can and cannot do. Um, Maybe it said, oh, you can't say anything um, controversial and went there. Maybe someone else doesn't have that in their contract. We're never going to know that. Um, And everything is so nuanced when you look at – People that have had issues in the past and been rehired, like a James Gunn situation um, and sort of what the political climate in the country is at any given time. You know, where we are in 2020 isn't where we were in 2017. Um, right. So things right. evolve and change, but it's it's very complex. It's nuanced and um, bottom line, though, I don't think that people will care six months from now. Yeah. Um, they're going to move on and, at some point. Yeah. And and her movie thing. I mean, typically those those things with, you know, I mean, they said they signed a deal, but how much budget for a movie can they possibly have? And then who's distributing it? There's still a lot of like questions. A lot of times, like when revenge projects sort of take shape, they don't typically land very well. Um, <laughs> so it, it's it's a lot of to be determined. But I yeah. think, too, she'll have a career. I mean, she'll be back in action movies and stuff two years from now. Well, I got a question that goes with this, with the contracts and stuff. It doesn't have to be specifically her contracts. We don't know what that is. But what's the – how common is it possibly to have where um, an actor would actually get royalties on uh, toys and products put out? Because I know like WAP's wrestlers, a lot of times will have royalties on their merch. Correct. Now, do do actors in some of these franchises get that sometimes also? Yes, 100%. Um, It's like these Hasbro toys are canceled. But the high end stuff is not because she gets yeah, it, of the royalties. And again, that could come down to likenesses might be getting um, royalties based on her actual face scan versus the Kenner style one that somebody sculpted. Um, yeah. So many different ways. I mean, there's a famously with Star Wars figures from the, the old Kenner collection. You know, most of the actors didn't have likeness rights for that. Um, that's why 
when um, Hasbro relaunched with Power of the Force, why there are characters that were missing for so many years because they couldn't even show them on the packaging because they didn't have uh, merchandising rights for some of the actors. Like, um, I don't know if they ever even made any figures, but like those twins from the cantina, the two women. Um Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. So never have figures. That was a whole big thing. I don't remember if they if they ever got figures, but almost no. twenty years ago, hmm. I remember that being discussed because that that's part of your deal on the vintage collection is they have a photo of the even if it's you know essentially an extra. A lot of the Star Wars figures we know and love are based on people that are essentially background actors. Yeah. Um. But oh, yeah. <laughs> they weren't in. They were not in masks, so it wasn't like a hammerhead where. Lucasfilm owns it, you're now talking about those ladies' faces. Yeah. And um, the problem some of that was a lot of times um, I've heard from other things like um, some of the guys that are actually doing research in the cantina that they don't even know who the actors were. They may correct. know exactly what they look right, like. Yeah. They don't know who it was. There's no names. They, yep. con- the, they were like day players that got their cash and walked away. Yeah, and that that that's one of the strange things about it. I mean, now, now the industry's structured differently so so you can track yeah. down i mean they know who the guy is that was wearing the constable zuvio shoot or suit on the yeah. force awakens you know um, they, trailer to hold all the paperwork for one movie <laughs> yes um so that stuff exists and it's you know much uh, much better record keeping at this point but yeah there there's no way to pinpoint all of that but it would be interesting i guess to see now what other oddball characters have they not made figures of just because they can't? Well, let me pick up the phone and call right, Steve Sansby. Yeah. I'm sure he has a list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure he'll answer you too. Yeah. <laughs> so has there is there anything that hasn't been discussed that we need to bring up to the forefront? Not yet. Because we're still a little early in the Star Wars marketing cycle for 2021. There's been cool stuff, but uh, as, as far as like new product hitting the shelves, there just isn't a ton right now. I mean, there's some new mission fleet hitting, um, which, believe it or not, they, those are selling for kids. Um, you know, oh, they okay. get a lot of they get a lot of flack from um, from the collector side of things, but um, they still do move a lot of product. Um so that stuff's out there. Um, I've been seeing but, the I've been seeing the Galaxy of Adventures line move a lot too. See, and I think that line is about dead. That that's the weird one because that that was the five inch figures. Again, you get into the different scales. They're sort of cool looking figures, but they almost they did such a weird launch with that. The first two waves. See, that's a cute looking figure right there. I mean, it's sort of got that. It's got sort of that Disney Infinity vibe, but. That then if you want that Disney Infinity vibe, you go buy the Disney the Disney toy box. box. Um, but what they did that was weird with Galaxies uh, or Galaxy of Adventures is the first couple waves of figures they put out were simply repackaged 3.75s from like the two years prior. So it was yeah. really really basic Han Chewie etc. Um, they came in those cylinders. They ended up at five below like a year ago. I think they're probably <laughs> s- still floating around. I have, um, I have uh, Boba Fett up in the yeah. Up so on my then shelf. they so then they relaunched it as these more stylized figures and they look pretty good but it just seems like they didn't they didn't take that to the levels they could have and that was almost the scale that fe- 
felt a little unnecessary because it was so close to the traditional, like, oh, if you're going to do five inch, just give me four inch type of thing. At least with the mission fleet, even though they're smaller scale, it fills that gap that like the play school heroes used to be in, which mm-hmm. like flip side, Mattel's Imaginex line typically does really big business. You know, kids love like the Batman figures and all that stuff right. that they do in that, in that micro size chunky scale. And with Mission Fleet, you're not only getting a, a kind of cool looking articulated figure, but they're able to affordably give the kids vehicles. And that's one of the problems with any larger size right now is to pull off an affordable Millennium Falcon that your figure can ride in or an X-Wing or something is really, really pricey. And the Mission Fleet at least gives the kids those ships at a, at a fairly reasonable price that the parents right. can afford. They're that's actually the, not bad-looking ships either. Yeah. No, no, well, not major at all. Changes I've seen, I think, from um, that I've heard from other podcasts talking about um, just remembering in, um, vintage toys from, like, the 80s, where, like, the really cool, what everybody remembers as the Millennium Falcon, with the, uh, the original Millennium Falcon put out for Empire... It was $25. Yeah. I mean, that was expensive for the 80s, yeah. but still, it's only $25. A, a regular mm-hmm. figure, like your um, ATSTs, were like 10 to 15 bucks. where yeah. now your that Millennium Falcon's $250. See, and again, you talk about these pieces of the story that mm-hmm. get lost after all of these decades. A lot of collectors now, and especially, you know, maybe some of the old schoolers do, but the new generation certainly doesn't know this. And there's also, if you ever run into the people, too, that you talk about toys and you talk about prices and then they start doing the, well, come make it in the U.S. Mm-hmm. type of, you can't do that right now. And where right. it all changed, and Kenner was at the forefront of this, um, was in the Reagan era. There was all kinds of legislation that came in in the mid 80s that really pushed everybody to start offshoring. Kenner was making product, you know, they went through that weird thing too. the beginning of the Star Wars products. Some of them are even marked General Mills because Kenner was part of the General Mills product corp before it spun off. But they would make product elsewhere, not necessarily China. A lot of it was Hong Kong, which is technically a separate, you know, government and everything. Um, You would see some of it from like Vietnam and stuff, but they would actually bring it back to the U.S. and they would package it on assembly lines in Cincinnati. Um, So there was it was cost effective to make it overseas, bring it here, package it here and then ultimately ship it to retail and they could sell those those vehicles for, you know, 15, 20 bucks, whatever. Um, Once that stuff all changed and a lot of it had to do with. Um, certain types of plastics and um, EPA regulations and all of this stuff. Um, it, it just made it that they couldn't do business here anymore. So they had to move that uh, tooling and everything overseas in a big way. And that's where, where it really um, kind of mucked up the whole system. And the prices started skyrocketing because even when you, when you went from the mid eighties, like you mentioned like the ATST or the ADAT, the price jump between like the 1985 version 
in as like Power of the Force was fading out to like where they reissued that exact same sculpt in the late 90s was already like a massive price jump. And then look at how exorbitant it went a couple years later when we went into like the 2010s and so when they started doing ad-ads, and then now it's not $100, now it's 250 Yeah. Um, well, so it's, it's only gotten worse. Well, it's like the latest version of the Millennium Falcon, the Galaxy's Edge, where it came, comes with Chewie, a couple Porgs, and, and Hondo. Three, 350 bucks. Yeah, for I saw a it, vintage I saw it at the Target. Saw wow. it at the Target. They they have the uh, we got like the security wrap on it. You know, like the, the yeah. wires. Um, yeah. and, walk out and, the door with the Falcon. And then if you you know when they have put some on clearance, it's down to two hundred bucks. It's like okay, that's still a little high. Yeah, because if you're a hardcore collector, you probably already have a Falcon of some capacity. And if you're a kid that's going to play with it, use it, and abuse it, mom and dad aren't going to pay $400 for the damn yeah. shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, so if you look at that that uh, Millennium Falcon for 350 bucks, if I have 350 bucks to put on that, I would have thrown another 100 bucks on it and got the um, the Pulse Razor Crest. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Which would have been a way better deal. <laughs> That, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I still I, I sometimes I still think oh, I would have liked to have a sail barge, but I don't have a four foot yeah. area for that, you know, and and honestly, I don't yeah. have all the right figures to go with it. That would have been opening a whole different rabbit hole because uh, <laughs> I didn't I didn't collect at all from like 2000. I don't know. Probably. I think I stopped at Attack of the Clones and then I didn't start occasionally getting stuff again until I had kids starting in 2009. So um, so there was like a gap there. And my collecting gap happened to perfectly overlap like the renaissance of the vintage collection and stuff <laughs> when all those great figures were coming out. Right. So now there, there mm-hmm. is no way to like go back on that because of how ridiculously expensive this stuff is. Um, and then the fact, too, that I would want to open this stuff and play with it yeah um see right. for for me display wise i would love to get that vintage falcon the the vintage collection falcon again it's themed galaxy's edge i'm currently on a galaxy's edge kick uh so much that i am so tempted to call california and see if i could get the first order black series box set that they have because we're sold out of it here in Florida, but they've got a ton of them in California. That's because they're not open yet. Exactly. So I, <laughs> I want to get it, um, but it's, but to have that and do, it has made me want to go, okay, let me find some of the old star tours figures as well. That are the, the Hasbro Disney figures that Hasbro made for Disney to go with star tours that would fit in that Batu realm and and do a I would love to do a display with it all. Problem is I have no place to put it to, to do it right. Um so for me getting the figures would be great. I would have loved to have gotten the Hondo three and three quarter. Not gonna happen. <laughs> See, I think, and we got to address this because we're we're talking about that, um, the glory days. And when we were talking about things that were affordable, have you guys seen the the video that just surfaced of Toys R Us from 1980 with the the Empire Strikes Back stuff? Mm -mm. So, all right. So got to go to toybook.com on toybook.com. I published this last week. Um, it's flashback, um, Kenner Star Wars Empire Strikes Back collection arrives at Toys R 
Us circa 1980. So what has happened is there is a very prolific and mysterious YouTuber out there that somehow has access to old news B-roll. And first hit the scene a month or so ago with a video that had from 1991 that was filmed at the old Herald Square Toys R Us in New York City. Okay. Well, so a week ago, this, this is like the guy's got like a generic name. It's like BT2105 on YouTube. You know, it's like a, just a throwaway gibberish name, screen name with 6,000 and some uploads. And some days he'll upload a dozen new videos. 25 minutes of B-roll shot on actual film in a Toys R Us store on the day that The Empire Strikes Back was released. And the foresight in this video that not only were they showing a Toys R Us store that was fully stocked with Kenner Collection Empire Strikes Back toys, and they had a ton of carryover that was still Star Wars labeled, you know, from coming off the 78 to 80. Um, They not only interviewed kids and parents about what they thought about this, but they interviewed an unnamed Toys R Us executive who was talking about the potential for Star Wars to become an evergreen brand, um, provided that these guys would continue making sequels and make movies for 25 to 30 years. And this is like some dude with a big poofy, you know, coming out of the 70s haircut. I'm watching the video of this being here now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, and uh, talking about, oh, yeah, they make this stuff. And they're so dry, too. The the the, uh, the ABC reporter is very dry in his uh, like he could give two shits. Basically, he's like he's he's totally disinterested and he's just mm-hmm. there for the story. Um, and they even try doing their own special effects at the end of the video. You'll see where they try to fly some ships by on wires. But this I thing see that, yeah. <laughs> is a priceless time capsule because it shows things that and i mean i remember a lot about toys r us from back then but i forgot how they used to have like displays of the ships that were basically attached to pegboard on wire yeah um and they had open box there they have the 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 kenner star wars packaged 12 inch (laughs) boba fett for eight dollars in that video, there's even a tag. It's like Jeffrey the Giraffe says, "Buy Boba Fett, eight dollars." Those things are, are like fifteen hundred bucks now. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I'm watching the part with the Tie Fighter, and it's just hanging by a wire, and somebody pushed it with a stick, and it's just like swinging around wildly. I'm like, "Is that your idea of a flying Tie Fighter?" <laughs> there's also a clip in there where the guy, uh, the the reporter is doing a walk and talk, and they're shooting the end, and they shoot it like four or five times where he tries to say something quirky, but he's just so dry and is like, is that right, R2-D2 or something? And there's an art, the old radio-controlled R2-D2 is sitting on the shelf and they get it to, like, beep in time with the guy. And he even says at one point, he's like, oh, we need to do this a different way. It sounds like a commercial. Um, (laughs) You know, now it totally would be a commercial because now, you know, the news is all fluff, you know. Right. Uh, But the the way the guy approaches it is kind of like, oh, look at these... Look at these kid toys right here. And he's interviewing. There's a guy that looks vaguely like Frank Oz in the video. And he's like, oh, what do you what do you think of this? You, you know, you're going to take the kids to see it. And the guy's like, I'd very much like to see it myself. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so I hate to say this, but we're coming to the end of the show. Any final thoughts? Actually, I had a final question. We've not had you on since um, 2020 ended. Yeah. What was um, your takeaways from the toy? 
toy realm, the toy collectible realm from 2020. What were some surprises you thought, or what, or something you thought at the very beginning of the year was going to be awesome that just kind of, I mean, obviously you're looking at the year pre-pandemic when you started it, but what was some of the takeaways of some really crazy stuff that was not expected, even with the, what we had? The weirdest thing of the year is the fact that um, for me personally and for my coworkers, we jumped in February of 2020, we jumped straight from Toy Fair New York to Chicago for C2E2. And C2E2, so uh, Toy Fair New York had 24,000 attendees. C2E2 had 95,000 attendees. And then the following Friday after C2E2 is when Emerald City Comic Con got canceled and all the shit started hitting the fan. And um, that's when all the shutdowns and stuff started happening in March. So um, it was particularly jarring to come off of these two events where you were talking about, you know, it, it wasn't even COVID-19. It was the novel coronavirus from China. And right. there's a thing happening over there. And, no, oh, you know, some packages didn't show up because there's a travel ban. And it was a very it was a very like international problem. It was being looked at. It was there was nobody that's like, oh, there's going to be a pandemic on U.S. soil. Um, and then it just hit you. And when it hit the toy industry as a whole, and I assume like every other industry, which obviously I don't work in, but um, there was a spot between like March to May where everybody was just like, this is going to be devastating. Will we have jobs tomorrow? Um, mm. People were, I mean, it, you know, Mike, you dealt with this with yeah. like the furloughs and the layoffs and stuff. Um, and I, the the numbers that were coming out, Funko was like, you know, we think we're going to lose 60% of our sales this year. And um, Basic Fun, which is actually based down there in Florida, they they were, they laid off a bunch of people and they were like, oh, our best projections are a disaster. And it was all doom and gloom for like six, eight weeks. But then as everybody's trying to figure out what they're going to do, what no one realizes is happening in the background is that all of those stores that stayed open as essential retail carried toys. So mom and dad are out there buying the groceries and they're swinging by the toy right. department and they're picking up it went games and puzzles were first. It was like, oh, we're all trapped at home together or whatever. Get a new game, get a new puzzle. And they were buying stuff and it really, it was the big boxes that benefited and then to an extent, Amazon. But then Amazon did the weird thing where they couldn't keep up. So they actually paused toy orders for a little bit. But I would say like, so the biggest surprise overall is the fact that, yeah, second quarter numbers ended up sort of sucking. And there was a little bit of a disconnect where um, toy sales at the register were up. So they would say, oh, U.S. toy industry is up. But the reorders hadn't kicked in for the toy makers yet. So they were showing declines. And then when all is said and done for the year, the U.S. toy industry and, and th this is really this is the talking point you go back on anytime you hear somebody go, oh, kids don't play with toys anymore. They just look at their screens. The U.S. toy industry made more money in 2020 than it has made in history. The entire industry, it was up 16 percent, which is impressive on its own. The U.S. toy industry, which usually brings in anywhere from 24 to 7, 24 to 27 billion dollars, did 32.6 billion dollars last wow. year. Um, and a lot of that, too, it will be it will be hard to, to meet those numbers this year because there was stuff in there that was a lot of one time purchases. 
because families couldn't go places. So they tried to make their backyards and stuff magical. So they maybe bought a swing set or trampoline that was five, six hundred dollars or more that they're only going to be buy once because their kids are only going to be little once. And maybe that maybe they were never going to buy that swing set or that trampoline, but they did last year. Um, So it was an anomaly. But I still think last year had a really strong lineup of toys. It on a collector note, um, some of the smaller stuff, because there wasn't as much foot traffic, did taper off a little bit. But so many people have uh, started focusing on their own interests and being at home and kind of honing their collections. And we've seen that go even beyond action figures into things like trading cards are having a huge renaissance right now where people are trying to get these like, um, you know, highly graded um, trading card. A prime example is actually someone from the, the toy industry, um, Jeremy Padawar, who is uh, he was the founder of Wicked Cool Toys. He was a former Mattel exec. He is now a partner in Jazzwares um, and is the driving force between their AEW and uh, UFC action figure lines. Um, he, he's been buying up Pokemon cards um, because they actually that company makes the Pokemon action figures. So he has a personal attachment to it. But uh, during the pandemic last year, he made history, bought up one Pokemon card that was like one hundred and twenty seven grand or wow. something for, for one card. But then got in. But then this whole big thing thing sort of came beat behind that where these guys that had money started really investing in the trading card industry again and it made a whole boom so i think we're going to see some of that so 2020 the entire year was a surprise the biggest surprise being just how great a year the toy industry ended up having despite having some of the worst times ever for about two months i mean i knew i knew personally a lot of people that lost their job i didn't know if i'd have a job because you know at the time when you're looking at it it's like well if the toy makers shut down nobody's buying toys i don't have anything to write about they're not going to advertise anything in the books i write for maybe i won't have a job tomorrow there there were legitimate concerns um for Fortunately, it all worked out. Knock on wood. Most of the people in this circle here have been healthy. But uh, 2021 is looking a lot like 2020 right now. Um, It's still going to be a year of weirdness and change. But uh, all we can do is stay positive, have fun and try to keep everybody healthy. Well, thank you for joining us again this week. You can find James at thepopinsider.com, toyinsider.com, thetoybook.com, on Twitter at The Rock Father, and I believe Instagram the same way. Yep, The Rock Father, Facebook, The Rock Father, and uh, actually my, my number one social network is LinkedIn. LinkedIn, I'm just James on. So on that note, guys, there's only one thing left to be said. Give the evacuation code signal. Information vital to the survival of the rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. I've lost R2. <laughs> These aren't the droids you're looking for. What is the Soul Forge podcast? Join Sean and his guests as they talk about sex, geekiness, witchcraft 
Star Trek, Awkward Dates, Poetry, Life, the Universe, and Everything Else. Interviews have included writers, atheists, a rap star from Australia, a reality TV star, and a sex goddess from San Diego. If you have a story to share or just want to listen to one, check out the Soul Forge podcast. The Soul Forge. Let's find out together. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. This has been a Weeby Geeks production.